chapter 2 once more, and uh, boy, I appreciate just the Lord meeting with us and the tenderness that's in the room today. What a joy. And then listen, we're going to take just a few moments at the close of this service, and we're going to baptize um, a few folks right after this service today, and then Lord willing, we're going to baptize um, some more tonight. And so that's always exciting for the local church is to see folks getting saved and baptized. And so anyway, Colossians chapter 2 in your Bibles, when you find your place, if you'll stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word, if you're able, that is. And we want to bring part two of the message that we began last Sunday morning. And boy, God met with us in such a powerful way last Sunday morning. And, uh, uh, but there was a part two to that message, and I'm excited to be able to give you a the second part of that. And so look at Colossians chapter two in your Bibles and find your way to verse number six. We'll begin there and read down through around verse number 15. The Bible says in Colossians two, verse six, as ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built it up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who hath raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins, and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And you may be seated this morning, and I want to talk to you about this subject, the operation of God. And of course, this is part two to the message that we began last Sunday morning. Now, God willing, we'll be back in our series tonight on the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and I hope that you'll, uh, I hope that you'll be back tonight. We're going to have part two of the message tonight as well. Uh, on the Holy Spirit and sanctification. So anyway, a lot going on today, and I'm excited about giving you uh, some things. Now, here's the thing, here's the thing, and, and, and something I want you to understand is sometimes preachers deliver well, and sometimes they don't. And somebody said, and I think this is why, somebody said to preachers, they said, uh, your, your best ones are not as good as you think they are, and your worst ones are not as bad as you think they are. And I, you have to keep that in mind. If you're a preacher, that's, that's, that's a good piece of advice. And, uh, and so sometimes preachers deliver well, and other times they don't seem to del deliver well. And so I don't know what's going to happen today. Uh, the delivery may be good. It may not be so good. But I know this. The truth that I'm going to give you is absolutely incredible. And so... Uh, don't miss the truth from the style of the preaching or good preaching or bad preaching or good delivery or bad delivery. Whatever you do, man, make sure you don't miss the truth that God's going to give you today because I'm going to tell you something, man, it lit my fire this week and I hope it will you as well. And so let's go to the Lord and we're going to talk about the operation of God 
and, uh, and we'll get right into our Bibles. Let's pray. Father, we love you, and Lord, thank you for all that's already been done. Lord, thank you for those that uh, you're dealing with them, and thank you that they've come to the altar, and, and uh, Lord, we just appreciate the uh, tenderness of the hour, and Lord, the sensitivity to the Spirit. God, thank you for these wonderful songs of Zion that we've sang today, and thank you, Lord, that we know a man who can, Lord, things that we cannot do. Lord, I'm so thankful that he can do what we cannot. And so, Lord, I pray now that you would help us as we do our best to expound truth. Heavenly Father, help us to, to sort of forget about the pastor and the delivery. And Lord, help us to focus in on what's being delivered. That's the important part. And so, I pray Father, that you'll teach us, and I pray that we'll be encouraged in our faith, established, as Paul talked about there in Colossians chapter 2, established, rooted, built up. That's what we need. It's what we want. We want to be better servants for you. And then, Lord, there's very possible that there's someone here today that has never come to Christ as their Savior. And, Lord, if that be the case, if there's someone here today and they're lost and undone without Christ, Lord, may this day, October the 30th, 2022, may this be the day that they come to know Christ. So, Father, fill us with the Spirit of God now and use us. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Of course, our uh, text is, is verse number 12, Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. Now, Paul says to the church of Colossae, buried with him in baptism. Now, I want you to understand something that Paul is trying to explain to these Christians, and some of these are new Christians, what salvation is all about. And, and, and so he says to them in verse 12, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. And we, we sort of honed in on that little phrase, the operation of God last Lord's Day. And I want to, uh, once again, I want to sort of hone back on, on that little phrase again if I could. Now, uh, we said this as we began last Sunday morning, because of the operation of God, you are not the person you used to be. Uh, you're not the same. Uh, and one of the analogies that Paul uses here to describe this transformation that takes place is the resurrection. We read that this morning. He uses the resurrection. Now, again, look back at it, if you will. Verse 12, Paul says, buried with him, with Jesus, in baptism, wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of the operation. Notice the word, the operation of God. If you look that word up, the operation, it's the Greek word for energy. It's the Greek word energia, and how we get a word from that, it's called energy. And so the Bible says that, that, that uh, let's read it again, buried with him in baptism, wherein also you're risen with him through the faith of the operation or the energy of God who hath raised him from the dead. But there's something else that's also very interesting in this passage. Not only do I want you to notice the phrase operation of God, but I want you to notice the phrase risen with him. He says there, wherein also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God. That's another interesting phrase. If you look up the Greek word for the phrase risen with, it is the word synergy. And so operation is energy. Our life is changed by the energy of God. But then the Bible says, because of that energy, 
You and I have been risen with. Uh, we have been synergized by his energy. And so thank God you and I have synergy because of his energy. Now, if you were with us last Sunday morning, and this is about all the review we're gonna do, we're gonna get into some brand new material this morning. But you, if you were with us last Sunday morning, you remember we said that that word synergy literally means to revivify. Now, some of you didn't think that that was really a word. I could tell it. You didn't think that was really a word. And so you went home and you looked it up yourself. And by the way, I'm glad you did. And what you found out was that was actually a word. And, uh, and so by the energy of God, by the operation of God, the Bible says that you and I have been revivified. We have been revivified. That's an actual word in your dictionary. And uh, it's sort of the new word here around Calvary Baptist Church, revivified. How many are glad that you've been revivified? Amen. And that word revivified literally means this. It means to come back to life is what it means. Because of what God has done through Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, on the day that you accepted him as your personal savior, the Bible says because of the operation of God, that you and I became revivified. We were dead in our sins and our trespasses. And when Jesus Christ saved us uh, and we were born again, the Bible says that Jesus brought us back to life again. Now, that's what we preached on last Sunday morning. But I wanna go a little further with this thought today if I could. By the operation of God, you have been revivified. You have been brought from death back to life. But what was actually, listen, what was actually involved in this operation, the operation of God? What, in other words, what did Jesus actually do in my salvation? You say, preacher, I'm saved. Praise the Lord. Do you know what that really means? I'm really convinced of this. I'm convinced a lot of people say they're saved and they really don't know what that even means. But yet, Colossians chapter two, what's so exciting about Colossians chapter two is the apostle Paul begins to unpack this for these, these Christians in Colossae and he begins to tell them what really took place in the operation of God when God saved you and God saved me. I'm gonna tell you what, brother, there were some exciting things that took place when you got born again. Well, you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, I'm glad you asked. I want to tell you what I'm talking about. How about this? Number one, we notice here in Colossians chapter two, he forgave every sin. Now look back in your Bibles, Colossians chapter two, verse 13. The Bible says, now verse, verse 12 talks about that operation, but verse 13 says, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened. Whenever you see that word quicken, it's the idea of reviving or revival. Hath he quickened together with him. Look at this. Having forgiven you. What's the next word? Oh, come on church. What's the next word? having forgiven you all trespasses. Now, exciting? You better know that's exciting. You know what that means? That means past, present, and future. Now, you say, preacher, why is it important to even bring that out? Let me tell you why. In fact, this question came just a few days ago. Somebody says, preacher, what are we gonna be judged for in the judgment seat of Christ? And I'm gonna preach, probably I'm gonna be preaching on the judgment seat pretty soon, I want you to understand something that you and I, if you're born again, you are not gonna be judged according to your sins. You're gonna be judged according to your works, according to what you've done for Christ and why you did what you did. 
The judgment seat of Christ is going to be a motive judgment, not a sin judgment. Now, you say, why is that? Because our sins were judged in Jesus Christ. Now, somebody says, wait a minute, preacher, wait a minute, though. Uh, uh, preacher, I understand that when I got saved, uh, maybe you're here today and you say, preacher, I got saved 10 years ago, or pastor, I got saved in the revival, you know, back in March, and, uh, and, and, and God really changed my life, and I believe that. I believe that. You say, preacher, I understand that when I got saved, that Jesus forgave me for all my past sins, but what about those sins after I got saved? Preacher, what about my future sins? Listen to me now. Church, do you understand that when Jesus died on the cross, all your sins were future? All your sins were future. Did you know that means that even though, even though Jesus knew that you were a sinner and I was a sinner, he knew that we would lie. He knew that we would do things we shouldn't do. He knew we didn't deserve to be saved. Boy, did you know that, that even though Jesus Christ knew that, he came and he bled and he suffered and he died and they put nails in his hands and nails in his feet and, uh, and Jesus Christ went through all that he went through to pay for every single sin that you have ever committed. Past, present, future. Now, maybe somebody here this morning says, Preacher, I don't believe that. Well, hang on then, because we're not stopping there. Or there may be somebody here this morning who says, Preacher, okay, I'm trying to get it, but I don't quite, I don't quite understand it. Okay, then hang in, because we're going to go to the second point. Not only did he forgive every sin, oh, hang on, church. But our Bible says he blotted out every sin. Look at Colossians chapter two, verse number 13 again. The Bible says, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath they quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. You'll notice that there is a, uh, a semicolon right there. Now, I have to be very, very careful this morning because my second grade teacher is here. So anyway, um, so uh, I want you to look at verse number 14. Now watch this church, this is good. Verse 14, the Bible says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. And so the Lord Jesus Christ not only forgave every sin, but the Lord Jesus Christ in salvation blotted out every sin. The Bible says he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. He said, Pastor, I don't even understand that. What does that mean? That phrase, handwriting of ordinances, speaks of a specific debt that's been incurred. You had a debt that you owed. He paid a debt he did not owe. And so the handwriting of ordinances talks about a debt. Now, you say, Pastor, okay, I, I want to follow you. I think you'll follow me. How many, don't raise your hand. How many have ever made the mistake of, in, uh, of incurring debt on a credit card? Like I said, don't raise your hand. <laughs> well, I guess a lot of us have made that mistake through, throughout our life. I hope you got that rectified, but, uh, but it is a mistake, by the way. And especially if it's a, a credit card that's got a high interest rate. I mean, the interest rate was way up there, 17%, 20%, 25%. 
And, uh, you, and you shouldn't have done it, but you, you, you took out the application, you filled out the application, you got that shiny new visa or that shiny new MasterCard, you know, in the mail, and you thought, wow, praise, we're gonna have Christmas now. And uh, boy, you went out to Walmart, and then you went to Sears, and then you went to JCPenney, and, and I mean, you just charge, 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 and before you knew it, you didn't mean to, before you knew it, you ran up a bill on your credit card. And now you're looking at your credit card statement and I mean, the interest rate is sky high and the truth of the matter is, you know, in all reality, you're gonna have a tough time trying to pay it off. I mean, you, you, you get it and you look at it and you think, man, what was I thinking? How could I do something so foolish? I mean, listen, it's gonna take me forever to pay this thing off. And I mean, I make this payment. It just barely takes just a, a little bit off of it. And, uh, and here's the thing, here's, here's the thing. Every single month, that handwriting of ordinances comes in the mail. Every single month, that visa payment, that MasterCard payment, that American Express, it comes in the mail. And you hate to see it come because you know that when you open it up, you know what it says. You owe this much, you are behind, you are, uh, listen, we're gonna be calling you to try to, to collect this debt, you've gotta pay this, you gotta pay it now, or you're gonna have a service charge or a late charge, and that handwriting of ordinances just keep, keeps on coming and keeps on coming, and it's a reminder of the overwhelming debt that you owe. This is what our Bible is saying. When Jesus Christ saved you, and when Jesus Christ saved me, guess what he did? He blotted out the debt. That's what our Bible's saying. The word blotting there means to wipe away. It means to erase, to eradicate is what it talks about. The Lord Jesus Christ came in your stead and the Bible says he took your debt, uh, that, that uh, handwriting of ordinances, and the Bible says that he wiped it away and erased it once and for all. His name, and I love history, his name was Nicholas II. He was the czar of Russia. Nikolai Romanov was his name. They said that every once in a while that uh, Nikolai would disguise himself as a low-ranking officer and he would visit some of his encampments uh, to just try to figure out how they were doing and how they were functioning. And so sure enough, one night, the emperor of Russia uh, decked himself up in the uniform of a low-ranking officer He's very late at night, and so he uh, sort of incognito, he walked into a camp. And in that camp, there was another low-ranking officer that had become in, uh, in, uh, involved in gambling. And he would gamble, and he would lose. And he would gamble, and he would lose. And he began to run up a debt, quite a, quite a debt. So he was the bookkeeper of the camp. And so that meant this, he had access to some of the monies. And so he thought to himself, I've got such a debt, here's what I'll do. I'll take a little bit of money out of the treasury. Nobody will know. I'll pay my debt off. I'll gamble again and I'll win and nobody will be the wiser. And so sure enough, he did something he shouldn't have done. He dipped into the, into the treasury of the camp there, took out some money. He paid off some of his debt. He began to gamble and he lost again. 
And so again, he reached down and into the account there and he took out some more money and he gambled and he lost and he took out more money and he gambled and he lost and his debt got heavier and heavier and deeper and deeper. In fact, one, they, they said that at one moment or one time, this young man decided to, to go back through the books and just look at how much he had taken out of the treasury and he had no idea that he had pilfered that much money. And he looked at that overwhelming debt and he thought, there's no way that I can pay this back. There's no way that I, 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 can, I can take care of this. And so one night, he got in the little bookkeeper's shack there. He took that ledger out and he looked at all the debt that he had incurred and, uh, and, and they said that he thought, you know what, there's no way out of this except suicide. And so he wrote across that ledger so they would know why he killed himself. He wrote across that ledger, so great a debt, who can pay? He took his service revolver out and he cocked the hammer back and he stuck it to his head and getting ready to take his life and he put the revolver down and then he put it back up again and then he took it down and, and just in that, in that nervous emotion, he passed out for just a little bit. That night, Nikolai Romanov had come into the camp and it was very late, up in the morning, very, very late, dark. Most everybody was asleep, but he noticed there was a light on in the bookkeeper's shack. And so he went into the shack and there in the shack, he saw this young man and he saw the ledger. He saw the pistol in his hand, the hammer cocked back. And he looked at the ledger book and it said, so great a debt, who can pay? And Nicholas Romanov began to figure out what was going on. And he saw how this young man had gotten into trouble and how he had incurred such debt and how he was gonna kill himself. A little bit later, that young man sort of woke up out of a, a nervous stupor and he took that gun and put that gun back to his head, just getting ready to apply pressure to the trigger. And he looked back down at the ledger and there were those big words, so great a debt, who can pay? But something had changed. Across the bottom of that page, these words were now written, paid in full. Nicholas II, the czar of Russia. Hey, Calvary, you understand that over 40 years ago when I, I came to Jesus Christ and I, I gave my heart to Christ as a sinner and the Lord Jesus Christ came in, the Holy Spirit came in and began to transform my life. You say, preacher, what happened in salvation? I'll tell you what happened. Jesus Christ took my debt and he wrote across my debt paid in full compliments of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't, know, I, I don't know who you are this morning, but I'm telling you that if you're born again, I've got great news. You don't have a debt anymore. The debt has been paid. And so you say, preacher, what's involved in this thing of salvation? Why do you get up, preacher, and say, boy, salvation's wonderful, because it is wonderful. Why is it so wonderful? Number one, he forgave every sin. Number two, he blotted out every sin, but hang on, hang on, church. Number three, the Bible says he took our sin out of the way. Now look back at your Bibles again, Colossians chapter two, verse 14. The Bible says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. Look, here it is. And, and took it out 
of the way. Your sin, your debt, he took it out of the way. You say, Pastor, what does that mean? Well, that little phrase, took it out, it means this. It means before them or between. That which separated us from God was removed. That which was between you and a holy God was removed because of the Lord Jesus Christ. That thing that was keeping you from coming to heaven, that thing that was keeping you from having a relationship with God, that thing was taken out of the way. Now, again, I want you to understand what I'm talking about. Back in the day, back, back in, in the day of the law, back in the day of Israel, on atonement day, the priest would go into the Holy of Holies, the tabernacle, only once a year. But on that day, he would actually enter in twice. First, he would walk into the Holy of Holies and he would bring the, lamb, the, the blood of a goat and he would sacrifice that blood on the mercy seat for he and his family. Then a little bit later, he would walk back into the Holy of Holies and he would offer that blood for the sins of Israel. But that's not all the story. Listen to this. Once that priest had offered that blood, on the mercy seat for, for the atonement of the sins of Israel. He would then walk out of the Holy of Holies, walk out of the tabernacle, and he would come to what they called a scapegoat. He would take those bloody hands and he would place those bloody hands on the head of that scapegoat. And there he would confess the sins of Israel over the scapegoat. And then after he did that, they would take that goat and they would lead that goat out way, way out into the wilderness so that goat would never be seen again. It would never be heard of again. That was a picture of what Jesus Christ did uh, the day that he saved you, my dear friend. He took your sins. He became the scapegoat. And the Bible says that Jesus Christ took your sins away from you. The Bible says in Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. Jeremiah chapter 50, verse 20, the Bible says in those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for and there shall be none and the sins of Judah and they shall not be found for I will pardon them whom I reserve. Church, that's all I'm saying, that if you've been born again, God has removed the record of your sin. It's gone. Are you listening to me, church? It's gone. Thank God for that song that we sing sometimes that says, what sins are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. Listen, when you got born again, you say, Pastor, is salvation great? Brother, you better know it's great. Why? Because when you got saved, Jesus Christ took those things that separated you from God and he took them completely once and for all out of the way. That record is no more. Now, you've heard this little story, but it just fit way too well not to tell it. There was a man in the country of England. He was well-to-do. And so he bought a Rolls Royce. Beautiful. I mean, absolutely stunning. Beautiful car. And he thought, you know, and he had money to do it. He said, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna put that, Rolls Royce on a boat and I'm gonna take that thing over to Europe and I'm gonna do a, a little tour 
of Europe in my Rolls Royce. So sure enough, that's what he did. He loaded that beautiful, beautiful car on a boat. They took over, over to Europe and man, he began to go on what they call a holiday. They don't call it a vacation, they call it a holiday. He began to go on his holiday there driving in that beautiful car through the countryside of Europe. But as fate would have it, he had a little trouble. The motor started having some trouble. Uh, something that's not supposed to happen in a car like that. And so he uh, cabled the Roy's, uh, Rolls Royce company back in England and he said, listen, he said, I put my car on a boat. He said, I came over here to Europe. And he said, I'm doing a tour uh, of the countryside. I'm on a holiday. And he said, my Rolls Royce is having problems. And he said, what do you suggest? Well, they put a pilot on an airplane right then. Flew him to where that man had broken down. And that pilot fixed that car. And after a little while, he said, sir, you're good to go. Enjoy the rest of your holiday. Well, Pilot got back on a plane, flew back to England, and that man's thinking, man, what in the world is that gonna cost me? For them to fly a mechanic to where I am to fix my Rolls Royce. So he never heard anything. So finally he got off his holiday and he came back home and, and he thought, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write him a letter. So he wrote a letter to the Rolls Royce company, told him that story, and he said, y'all flew a mechanic over and he fixed my car and he said, I just wanted to know what it's gonna cost me. And the Rolls Royce company sent him a letter back and they said, dear sir, we have no record of anybody ever having a problem with a Rolls Royce. No record. I'm gonna tell you something, church. If you went to find my record today, you wouldn't find it. You can look in the file cabinet. Man, you can search, you can investigate, you can hire a private investigator. I'm telling you, you can, you can, you can employ Satan himself if you want to, who's the accuser of the brethren. I'm telling you, happy day, happy day, that when I got born again, my sins were washed away. They're gone, they're gone, they're under the blood. Thank God he, Jesus, took them out of the way. That's why salvation's so wonderful. And so, number one, he forgave every sin. Number two, he blotted out every sin. Number three, he took our sin out of the way. Hang on, church, it gets better. Number four, the Bible says he nailed our sin to the cross of his son. Now look back at your scripture again, Colossians chapter two, verse 14. The Bible says about your salvation, about this operation of God blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way. Here it is, nailing it to his, Jesus, nailing it to his cross. Criminals would often have their crimes nailed to their personal crosses. That's exactly why Pilate had these words nailed to the cross of Jesus. This is the king of the Jews. But spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking, if you, if, if you could have went by the cross of Jesus Christ on that day, there would have been a list nailed to that cross. And it would have said Stephen Pope. In other words, you know what the Bible's saying here? The Lord Jesus Christ did not die for his own sin. He died for your sin. Every sin you've ever committed, every sin you ever will commit, every sin you committed in the past, the present, the future, 
The Bible says that God took those sins, he took that list of sins and he nailed those sins to the cross of his son. Jesus Christ became the sin bearer. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live in a righteousness by whose stripes you hear. Listen, church, I'm done, but hear me out. The Lord Jesus Christ died on the cross, not for himself, but for you. He did it for you. He did it because we're sinners, not because he's a sinner. He's not. The Bible says that God made him who knew no sin to become sin for you and I. I hadn't told this, this story in a long, long time. I heard, heard the story of a man who woke up one night in a, I mean, just in a terrible, terrible nightmare. And he said in this nightmare, he said that he was, he was situated at Golgotha. He was at the cross and, and they were just getting ready to take Jesus up to the cross. And, and he said there was a Roman soldier there that was, had that cat of nine tails and he was just scourging. He was just scourging the, the, the precious body of Jesus. And, and he said, just stripe after stripe after stripe. And, and that man said in the, in the dream, he said, man, he said, I, I just was aching inside. And he said, he said finally, I, I just couldn't stand it anymore. And, and he said, every time this Roman soldier would come back across the back of my savior, he said, finally, he said, man, I ran up and I I grabbed his arm and he said, I spun him around. And he said, when I spun him around, he said, the man was me. You know why Jesus was scourged? For you and me. You know why he had nails in his hands and nails in his feet? For you and me. You say, preacher, is salvation something really, really great? Man, you better know what. He forgave every sin. He blotted out every sin. He took our sin out of the way. He nailed our sin to the cross of his son. How about this? We're done. We're done. Number five, he glorified himself through the conquering of sin. Now look, if you will, we gotta be done here. It's time to be done. The other night, how many were in the service the other night? It's Wednesday night, I think. And I said, church, this might be just a little bit of speculation. But I, I said, I believe that Jesus went to the devil and notified the devil that the keys of death, hell, and the grave were now his. And I said, I'm not really sure. I said, that, that might be just a little bit of speculation. And it was until I came to Colossians chapter two. And I want you to look what it says. Colossians chapter two and verse number 15 the Bible says after the Lord Jesus did all these things, he forgave you, blotted out your sin, took your sin out of the way, nailed your sin to the cross. The Bible says in verse 15, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. You understand what that means? The powers of darkness did everything they could to damn the souls of men, but Jesus prevailed. And when he prevailed, he did, and I told you so. I told you I was coming out of the grave, and it's exactly what I did. And the Bible says that Jesus came and notified them, I am in charge. In fact, our Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse number 18, by which he also went and preached under the spirits in prison. Listen, thank God Jesus is our ever-present, ever-loving conqueror once and for all. If you're here this morning 
and you've been born again, it's worth getting excited about. You say, preacher, are you trying to tell me that I'll never have to answer for my sins? That's exactly what I'm telling you. How is that? Because your sins, friend, were judged 2,000 years ago in the Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, aren't you glad you're saved? Would you bow your heads with us all over the house this morning? Father, thank you for this time we've had together. God, I hope that this has made, I hope this has made sense. I hope it's been a help. Father, I pray today that you would just help those Christians that are saved to understand, Lord, just what that means. Lord, how free salvation was to us, but how expensive it was to the Savior. Lord, can I just say thank you for taking my sins out of the way. Lord, thank you for blotting out my debt. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving my sins, past, present, future. And I'm not saying that I understand all of that, but I sure am thankful for it. Lord, maybe today, during this invitation, somebody needs to just tiptoe down to an altar and say, oh God, thank you for a so great salvation. Lord, thank you that you've removed my sins Thank you, Lord, that you blotted out my debt. Father, I pray that you would. Lord, could be there's somebody here this morning that does not know for sure they're on their way to heaven. They're not sure that Jesus has ever given them that wonderful gift of salvation. If that be the case, Father, today, I pray that you'd give them faith and I pray that you would draw them to your precious son. Lord, have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Would you stand with us all over the house this morning? Heads bowed, just for a moment. Heads bowed, eyes closed. How many are here this morning would say, Pastor, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of any doubt, I know that I'm born again. My sins have been blotted out. They've been taken away. Preacher, there was a day when he nailed my sins to the cross of his son. If that's you this morning without anybody looking, you just slip your hand up right now and say, Preacher, it's me. I've been born again. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you. You can lower your hands. Can I ask you this, though? And I'm going to put my glasses back on because I want to see. I wonder if there might be one here this morning. Maybe you're visiting. Young, old, doesn't matter. You say, Brother Pope, I'm gonna be honest with you. If I died today, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven. And I, I care enough to at least slip up my hand and let you pray for me today. Is there one like that anywhere right now? You just slip your hand up right now and just sort of raise it up high so I don't miss you. Just raise it up, preacher. If I died today, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you pray for me? Just raise it up and sort of wave it at me. Is there one? Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Is there another? Pastor, if I died right now, this very moment, I'm not sure of heaven. 
preacher, would you pray for me? Right now, you'd slip your hand up, just sort of wave it at me. Is there another? Anywhere? Can I, can I pray with you? Just slip it up right now. Preacher, remember me. Remember me. Oh, listen, folk. We want you to be in heaven with us. We want you to go. Man, I wouldn't miss heaven for anything or anybody. Is there another anywhere, preacher? It's me. Anybody here this morning say, Pastor, I'm saved. I've already raised my hand about that. But I'm not so sure that maybe my salvation hadn't become a little commonplace. And I'm not so sure that I sort of forgot how special it was and all that went into it. And God knows what that's about, Pastor. Pray for me about that, if you will. Right now, you just, with heads bowed and eyes closed, and nobody looking, you just slip your hand up right now and say, pray for me. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. Yes, 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 yes. Amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you. You can lower your hands. I don't know this is the case. There might be somebody here today that says, Preacher, I need to rededicate my life to Christ. Pastor, I got saved years ago, but I'm not living for the Lord like I ought to be. I'm not in the will of God like I ought to be. And I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. With heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking, just for another moment, you'd say, Pastor, it's me. I need to rededicate my life to Christ. I know I do. And right now, you just slip your hand up right now. Let me pray with you. Right now, would you just do that? Just slip it up. Preacher, I want to rededicate my life to Christ. Anybody at all like that here today? Preacher, pray for me. Pray for me. So, Father, thank you for your blessings. Thank you for the privilege to be in your house today. Father, I pray that you would work in and through this invitation. Father, these that have raised their hands about the need for salvation, Lord, today, Lord, would you draw them to yourself? Father, would you remind them of your love? Would you remind them that you loved them so much that you gave Jesus for them, your very only son? And Lord, today I pray that they would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Father, help them to come in just a moment. Lord, those that need to rededicate their lives to Christ or maybe those who need to come and just fall on this altar and say, Lord, thank you for a so great salvation. I pray that they would come and do business with the Lord. So Father, have your way, please. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I ask our personal workers if they would make their way to the front today. We have some folks up here on the altar with a Bible in their hand, and we would love to share the gospel of Jesus with you today. If you're here this morning and say, Pastor, not sure of heaven, we've got some folks up here would love to meet you and greet you and just share with you how you can know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. Would you come while we wait? Would you come? Preacher, I need to rededicate my life to Christ. That's right. Would you come? Would you come while we wait? Right now, just slip out. 